Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Hello? Aaron, hey man, it's Luke. Hey Luke. Hey, you know, every time that you're on 30 Pop, I call my mom as a courtesy to let her know there's probably going to be some language that she doesn't really like. Yeah. And so I'm calling today. My mom is actually going to be on the show this week and she doesn't use any of the language that you like. She doesn't? No. Oh my God. So, I'm so offended. I'm going to have to call Becky and tell her that she needs to get her shit together. <laughs> I'll just include this and she'll get the message. I really appreciate it. I may not listen this week. Oh, man, that's a bummer. At least if my kids are in the car, I'm not going to listen. I get it. I mean, I understand. I tried to get her to join us yeah. in modifying the use of her language. But, you know, um, I, I appreciate her for who she is. I just find it a little offensive, that's all. Yeah. Well, thanks for being a supporter of the show anyway. And, and <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm sorry that this happened. That's okay. Hey, have me on soon, okay? You want to be on next week? Yeah. Perfect. Well, then I'll talk to you later. Yeah, bye. From Mill U Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back to music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Bronner. This is Season 2, Episode 19, Mullets, Melodrama, and Mother's Day. Today, we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, May 12th, 1990. Hello, friends, and thank you, as always, for joining me on 30 Pop. I'm super excited for this episode because, as I mentioned in the opening call, I have the great joy this week of more fully introducing you to my sweet mom, who's been making little cameos on this show since our very first episode in February of 2019. We'll get to that shortly, but first, I wanted to take just a quick minute to offer a special thank you to my newest patron, Sean McCoy. Sean is a friend, fellow podcaster, and longtime source of encouragement to me and my work in this space. And I couldn't be more grateful to have him now partnering with me officially in this work. You can join him if you feel so inclined, and I hope you do, by visiting the Patreon link in the show notes. But if you've been listening to this show for any time at all, I bet you already knew that. So why don't we just get into it? 30 years ago this week in the music world, things looked basically the exact same as 30 years ago last week at least with regard to which songs were topping the Billboard charts. The only exception, in fact, was on the Billboard Hot Country charts, where then-27-year-old Travis Tritt hit number one for the very first time with the second single off his multi-platinum-selling debut album Country Club, which had released a couple months earlier in February of 1990. The song, Help Me Hold On, the music video for which I've also included in the show notes, and I highly recommend you check it out. It comes complete with Tritt's signature mullet, then still in its relative infancy, and yet to be ripped off and outdone by up-and-comer Billy Ray Cyrus, who took the look to a whole new level when he debuted later in the year, opening for Reba McIntyre. The video also features perhaps the most melodramatic performance by any music video actress in history, 
and the second most costume changes, after Debbie Gibson's 1989 video for Lost in Your Eyes, which we had lots of fun with way back in episode 4 of season 1, Posers, Pop Stars, and Druggies. There's one stretch of about 12 seconds in the video in which his love interest wears at least seven different outfits. Tritt, on the other hand, pretty much wears the same dingy black t-shirt throughout. Although he does layer it with a variety of denim button-ups and jackets, the obvious favorite of which is a full-length western fringe duster. Just trust me, go watch the video. I wouldn't spend this much time talking about it if it wasn't worth checking out. I do also want to mention the lyrics for this song, which could have easily been featured in either of our recurring segments, Bad Words or Truly Horrible Things. I mention them today, though, simply as a segue into another segment, the second verse specifically, which goes like this. I realize I took your love for granted, but I've learned that love worth having don't come free, and I'll pay any price it takes to keep you satisfied and staying here with me. Those words pretty much sum up the major plot points for the film that was number one at the box office for the fourth and final time this week in 1990, Pretty Woman. My mom, Becky Brauner, really, really loves that movie, understandably. And since it is Mother's Day week, it seemed only fitting to have her on to talk about it today in a segment we call Film Depreciation. Mom, welcome to 30 Pop. Thanks for being on. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. So, as you know, we've talked the last few weeks on the show. 30 years ago this week for the fourth and final week, the number one film at the box office was Julia Roberts and Richard Gere's Pretty Woman. Yes. Which I know you love. Yes, I do. I love it. So, here's where I want to start. I have a question for you. You have been revealed on the show in the past to be a little more conservative in the things that you like, especially as it relates to like language and, you know, just your kind of general interests. Yeah. And so I'm really curious what it is about this film about a multi-billionaire corporate raider hiring a prostitute and falling in love with her that appeals to your <laughs> otherwise very conservative sensibilities. Well, you know, I never really thought about it, but... One thing I like about it is that Julie Roberts' character, Vivian, you know, just came on a really hard time and turned to do whatever she could do to survive and had absolutely no intention of staying there and had goals and aspirations and class. You know, she lowered her standards to do what she had to do to make a living, which is not how you should maybe do things. But I admired the fact that she never intended to stay on the bottom and that she was able to on her own, save her money and, you know, try to do the right things. So I just like that part. So would you still watch the movie today? I would. Even though you have a pretty strict rule about rated R movies? Yeah, I have a very strict rule about it, but I already saw that one, so it doesn't count. (laughs) No, I mean, I don't like R-rated movies that are like blood and guts and the things you like. You just like strong language, sensuality, and brief drug use, which is how it's described. Well, there's not... That Like the F word is not used in here and there's very little language, really. I mean, at least in the ones on TV, you know, I mean, it's it's just, <laughs> I mean, you know, the ones that are not. So you watch it like on, on like the CW or one of those channels where they cut out the rough stuff? Um, 
I thought you said you own this movie. Don't you own this movie? I thought I did, but I don't. I think you did at some point on VHS because I remember seeing the box a lot as a kid. I don't know. Maybe I just rented it over and over and over. That was before my non-R days. That's days true. when I didn't watch R-rated movies. So. That's true. But you would still watch it today yeah. because you've seen it already. Yeah, I've been there, done that. Yeah. That's a good amount of flexibility in that rule. I like Pretty that. Pretty much double standard. Okay. Okay, so... Do you remember when you saw the movie for the first time? Did you see it in theaters? You know, I don't know. I don't think, I don't remember seeing it in a theater, but I love the music in it. I love some of the off characters, not the main characters. Mm-hmm. Like who? Well, like the little girl at the front desk. She's just very discreet and she's a cute girl, but she just is very discreet and it doesn't stare down people because they look weird or something like the ladies in the shop did. I like the dentist, the operator for the elevators. Mm-hmm. I like how he's kind of raw and natural and, you know, he can't quit looking at her and he thinks she's cool. And then, you know, he's called to task basically and has to step back into the elevator. And I just love all the weird characters. I love Bridget, the girl that helps Eleanor Donahue, who helps her get close. She never makes her feel like less than. She never makes her feel like she's trash, you know. I just, I like some of the the weird characters, the the Barney guy, you know. Is there a character in this film that you feel like you most resonate with, that you connect with? Oh. Oh. Well, now I hadn't thought about that. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I have to think about it. Okay. Well, you think about that. We'll come back to that. I'm curious. Okay. So this movie released like months within a year of Steel Magnolias coming out in which Julie Roberts really sort of blew up on the film scene uh, for her role as Shelby. And I'm I'm like, it makes sense to me that you would love Steel Magnolias and that you would love her as Shelby. But Pretty Woman is just such a twist for me with you because of your, you know. Prudishness. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) because i have standards (laughs) thank you for saying it so that i didn't have to but so i'm curious what you thought having you know you were a fan of steel magnolias too right yes but i can't watch movies like that very often at all right but i'm curious what you thought about julia roberts playing this incredibly sweet kind of simple character of shelby and then becoming the like super sexy kind of cheap Vivian in Pretty Woman. What were your thoughts of Julia Roberts at this point in her career? Because she was brand new. I mean, she was she had been around for a few years, but like these were her first two major roles. Yeah, I have loved everything I've ever seen her in. I've loved her character. I don't think her character is too far off from how she is. Shelby or Vivian? But any of them, all of them. I think they all have a bit of Julia Roberts in them. The scene. I don't know if you remember the scene where she gets the necklace. He shows oh, yeah. her the necklace oh, and he course, yeah. flaps the box shut. That was all spontaneous. Oh, really? Her that was, the whole thing there. was improvised? Yes. Well, not the whole thing, but when he snaps that lid shut on her, her laughing is exactly like it was in Roman Holiday when Gregory Peck stuck his arm in that stone. <laughs> no, listen, that stone face. And then after, like, <laughs> I'm something listening, but I have him. no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. You need to watch Roman Holiday. And Audrey Hepburn freaks out she thinks something's really got him and all of that scene was totally unscripted you know and i see that in julie roberts when she laughs like that that's exactly the way she laughs you watch the there's a thing on youtube of their 25th anniversary five i guess that'd be five years ago or whenever for pretty woman yeah the main cast members are on there and gary marshall's on there with them and she laughs exactly that's just julia roberts laugh 
So I see a part of her, what her real personality is probably like in all of her movies that I've seen. Do you have a favorite role of Julia Roberts? Like a favorite movie that she starred in? I really like Runaway Bride and I really like Notting Hill. Okay. Is one of those a favorite? I don't know. It's a toss-up between that and Pretty Woman. It's still Magdalia's. <laughs> but, you know, she's put together again with Richard Gere in Runaway Bride. Yes. And they just have a chemistry. In fact, I read an article about them one time that said he was not. He had been presented with the Pretty Woman script over and over, and he just wasn't interested. Gary Marshall took Julia Roberts out there to New York and set her down in his home office with him. And then he left and went somewhere. And the chemistry that the two of them had, Gary Marshall called back later, and Richard Gere was on the phone with Gary Marshall, and Joey Roberts uh, wrote on a sticky note and slid over in front of him, Richard Gere, and it said, please say yes, and that did it for him. He said yes immediately. Wow, that's amazing. I've never heard that they story. Just, they had such chemistry. Gary Marshall said that he saw... Julia Roberts and Richard Gere standing in a hallway somewhere together just talking. And he knew immediately, he knew immediately that chemistry had to be captured. So why do you think that is? What is it about Richard Gere that was so right for this, that they pursued him so much? Because he didn't have anything. I mean, he'd had a couple of big movies in the early 80s, but he hadn't had any. I mean, this to me, this was like the most career-defining role he'd had at this point. So what do you think it was about him that people thought was so right? Or that Gary Marshall thought was so right. Yeah, um, maybe it was just because he was so hot at the moment. He was the big guy, you know. Later, it was Tom Cruise and some of those people, you know. But he was the bank right then. Well, I mean, I'm looking at his IMDb and, like, I don't recognize mm-hmm. any of the movies that he had been making. The most recent movie before this that I recognized was An Officer and a Gentleman, An American Gigolo, right. both of which were, like, early, early 80s. So this is like almost a decade later. I just can't figure yeah. out what the appeal was. And honestly, I didn't really like well, anything he did after that girl, until Primal Fear. You're not a girl. I'm not. That's true. But so, okay. So what were your feelings about Richard? He Gere? was just that, hot. There is something very sexy about that quiet. I was not ready to hear you say that, that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, there's something very appealing in men and women who have that aura, that confidence, that quiet they know who they are and they i mean he comes off as kind of mm, full of himself sort of but uh, you know i just i just think that there was a character on one of the soaps she used to <laughs> that was like that and he wasn't good looking at all at all not like richard Gere. but there was something about him his character's name was luke by the way that was a very appealing you know is this luke so, and laura luke yes okay i've always heard about luke and laura but okay, yeah. so in 1990 when this came out, were you a fan of Richard Gere? Yes, because of Officer and a Gentleman, yeah. Okay, so you already thought he was, in your words, sexy. Hot. Okay. Yeah. Well, he was just a, an appealing character. How's that? Appealing. Does okay. that make you feel more comfortable? Yeah, it's fine. I'm fine with it. I just, okay. I just, I'm not used to hearing you say things like that. And so, did you see those characteristics in Dad? Well, of course. He always dressed to the nines. He was in a white jeans and cool shirts. Dad or Richard Gere? Dad. Okay. White jeans or not? In the day. Okay. In the 70s. The only thing is he wouldn't let his hair get very long, and I really like long hair. But he was neat and tidy, and his car was always clean and loud and fun, and he was generous and funny. He didn't even know he was funny. He was the guy. Okay, so let's 
Um, it's great to it's great to know that you still love dad. Let's go back to Pretty Woman. Any other thoughts on this movie? Any like favorite scenes? Was there? Do you have a favorite scene besides the necklace scene? Yes, I love when she goes back in the store and sticks it in the face of those women that were so snotty to her. I love that part. I love the part where they're in the elevator and she says, in case I forget to tell you, I had a good time tonight and I had been done tonight. I love that part. I love the part where she goes underneath the bubbles and you think she's not coming up. Have you seen the movie? Yes. <laughs> okay. I have. It's been a while, but I, I mean, I remember liking it. I was probably pretty young when I saw it, but. Yeah. Probably anything you could see if you went on, you know, like YouTube or something that shows highlights of movies, any one of those things. I love that movie. I, I love the fact that she gives her kit money, and I just think it's a great movie. It's there's really so many movie. lessons in it. So yeah, there's just a lot of lessons. If you had to rate this movie and how, how I know you had you didn't get to watch it this week, but I'm sure you've seen it enough. Yeah. To rate how you think it would hold up today on a scale of like terrible to it's so good I almost peed my pants. What, what like how would you rate the movie? Pirates of Penzance. I would rate it high. I mean way high. Like I think it holds up. I think it's timeless. Good. I mean, there's always been prostitution. There's always been rich people trying to get some for free or for pay. There's always been kind people. There's always been people who accept others. There's always been people who look down on others that they feel like they're superior to. There's always been happy endings. So you like it? Yep. Okay. Well, that's good. I still really want to watch it again, too. I also did not get to rewatch it this week. I have been watching a bunch of clips on YouTube. I also like to hear you talk about YouTube because it's funny. Even the way you say YouTube makes me a little bit surprised that you, that you know what YouTube is. So Hello. I'm, I'm not living totally in the dark. I just, another character. Like, you don't know how to work your TV, mom. And you don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't have internet here? service at home. So I think it's right that I'm shocked that you know about YouTube. I do YouTube all the time. But let me tell you one more character I like in this okay. is Hector Elizondo. Who's that? The Barney guy. He's okay. the... Uh, manager of the hotel. Okay. He never gets miffed that Richard Gere can never remember how what his last name is. He is just solid, and he is so much like that character in everything I've seen him in. I think he is a superior actor. That's awesome. I can't think of who he is, but when I rewatch the movie, which will be soon, maybe it'll be the next time I come home and we're not self-quarantining anymore. We can watch Pretty Woman together. <laughs> yes. He shows her how what silverware to use on the, you know, when she goes to a restaurant, he's just a class act. He's a good, he that's a good like job it. for him. He sounds like yeah. it. Maybe that's okay. maybe that's where his career went after this movie. I don't know. No, no, it just went up. Oh, well, that's good. I still don't know who he is, but I'll look him up. Mom, you will. You'll know. Okay. It's a joy to have you on the show. So thanks so much for being on 30 Pop for the first time, like really on 30 Pop for the first time. I know. I feel so honored. Well, people are going to love it so because honored. I have people tell me all the time that you're their favorite part of this show. So, Oh, they're not telling you the truth, but thanks. I'll send you all the messages that I get this week. So I okay. love you. And I love you, bud. Happy Mother's Day. We'll see you very soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love you much. Bye. Bye. Such a joy to have my mom on today.
Big thanks to her for being a part of this episode and for being my biggest supporter and greatest influence over the last 40 years, five months, and three weeks, give or take a few days. For those of you who don't have the great pleasure of knowing her, I promise you, the world is a better place because she's in it. As we get ready to close this episode out, let me share a couple other notable events in pop culture history from this week in 1990. One was the May 6th series finale of the NBC sitcom 227, starring Marla Gibbs, which served as the launching pad for the now highly accoladed career of Academy Award-winning actress Regina King, who moved from this series into a string of successful, genre-defining black cinema films such as Boys in the Hood, Poetic Justice, Higher Learning, Friday, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate, how Stella got her groove back, and eventually 2018's If Beale Street Could Talk, for which she won both the Oscar and the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress. And I'm a huge fan of so many of her movies, so she'll definitely come up a lot more on this show over the course of the next couple years, and with any luck, I'll be able to get her on the show for an interview. Also on May 6, 1990, unbeknownst to baseball fans around the world, eventual Houston Astro and likely future Hall of Famer Jose Altuve was born in Venezuela. But since so many baseball fans around the world are still angry at the Astros for getting caught doing what their favorite teams probably also do, I won't linger long on that. I'll just say, happy 30th birthday, Jose. One last important date in pop culture history, on May 10th, 1990, actor, best-selling author, producer, director, happy husband, and father of two great young men, all according to his Instagram bio, Rob Lowe made the life-saving decision to become sober and the world is better for it. Congrats on 30 years of sobriety, Mr. Lowe. I was and am a huge fan of his in NBC's Parks and Recreation, among other things, so I'm super excited about his soon-to-be-released Team Coco podcast, fittingly entitled Literally, which is slated for release this June. Definitely add that to your weekly list of shows to listen to after 30 Pop. And speaking of, let me once again thank you, friends, for listening to this show. It's such a blast to put together each week. I'll be back next week for a look back at the life and legacy of the late, great Jim Henson, so I hope you'll join me again. Until then, like Kit to Vivian, take care of you. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1990 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com.